I had probably about eight weeks of getting a new symptom pretty much every week. And I did go to the doctors a few times, but every time I went, I was kind of given like a different diagnosis that I just didn't think was matching up with the symptoms. You start to doubt yourself when you've got so many people that aren't listening to you and just aren't putting things together. You just worry that no one's ever going to listen to you and you're just going to sort of drift along for years. Everyone has a story to tell and we invite you to join us for the Multiple Sclerosis Diagnosis Journey podcast and listen to these unique stories. This is Laura Kolaskowski, your host for the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast. I have with us today Heather, and I'm really excited because she's there in the UK, and she has got a wonderful blog that she produces, and I think her story is going to be of interest to our listeners today. So I'd like to start saying welcome, Heather, and can you tell us a little bit about uh, what was physically wrong with you and what started you looking for a diagnosis of MS? It seems really strange to say now, but... At the start of my journey, I was one of those people that knew pretty much nothing about MS at all. So when I had my initial symptoms, it wasn't really something that came into my mind because I was experiencing the tingling and numbness in my legs a lot. And the only thing that I could associate with like pins and needly feeling was circulation. So there was about two or three weeks where I was convinced that I was about to die off a blood clot or something, just because it was the only thing that I could associate with it. But I was finding it kind of strange because I was getting weird sensations at exactly the same time on both legs. I asked family and they thought, well, the weather's getting a bit warmer, so maybe you need to be drinking more water, being a bit more active, not standing on your feet so much. And I did find that after a couple of weeks, it did get very, very slightly better. So I still had all of the um, pins and needles and everything, but there was a slight improvement. I find that interesting that you knew nothing about MS when this began. So you really were jumping into the hole, the darkness of not understanding what was going to happen next. So when you went to the doctor's, what what made you stop ignoring this sensation and actually seek medical help to find an answer? Well, I started to then get tingling in my lower back and then I had it in my fingers. So I was starting to think, I don't think this is anything to do with circulation. This seems like a little bit strange that it's appearing in different places at the same time with the same sensations. So I went to the doctors who referred me for some blood tests And they all came back fine. But a couple of days before I was due the blood test results to come back, I actually went away with my partner for the weekend. And the morning that we were due to come back, I had really, really bad vertigo. I think it went on for about five hours before we called the ambulance. And yeah, it was not great. It was probably one of the scariest times I've ever had because it felt like my head was spinning one way and the room was spinning the other way. I couldn't even like keep a sip of water down or anything. So it meant that we ended up in hospital on a drip because I got so dehydrated in hospital for the night to then be told that there definitely wasn't anything wrong with my head because the vertigo had actually settled down. 
and I got discharged with an inner ear infection. And for people who are listening who are not familiar with vertigo, it maybe could be the, one of the worst symptoms that people with MS experience where oh, you feel like where you feel like the end of the world is coming or you hope the end of the world is coming to put you out of your misery. So, yeah, so you were you were admitted to the hospital and they said it was just your ear infection and sent on yeah. your way, right? Yeah. And I told them about the tingling. I said, I've had this tingling for about two months by this point. And they just didn't really seem interested in kind of joining up the dots in any way. I think the inner, inner ear infection was maybe kind of the easiest diagnosis at the time. I went home and then I had probably about eight weeks of getting a new symptom pretty much every week. So I think at one point I counted 12 different symptoms. Oh my gosh. So it really escalated to pretty much affecting everything, like coordination. I remember I tried to put my glasses up and literally just like slap myself in the face. (laughs) The dizziness was still there. My eyesight was going blurry, numbness. Yeah, it it was not the funnest time. And I did go to the doctors a few times, but every time I went, I was kind of given like a different diagnosis that I just didn't think was matching up with the symptoms. So I got told maybe I'd injured my neck. Maybe I had a trap nerve. And then the last one, which was just awful, was they basically said that I was stressed and that was what was causing all of these symptoms. Oh, the psychosomatic diagnosis. Oh, so it's all in your head, right? (laughs) By this point, I hadn't been out really in about two months and I was feeling terrible and I was stressed. (laughs) Like I admit I was very stressed, but I was stressed because of the symptoms. Exactly. The symptoms were causing the stress. (laughs) Well, I think that kind of answers one of those questions I'd like to ask people is if you ever felt your healthcare professionals doubted you or didn't take you seriously enough. Definitely. And during this time, as I was at home and I was realizing that I wasn't really getting any answers from the doctors, I did end up self-diagnosing myself with MS through Google, which I'm not saying is the best option because you do get loads of like really scary stories but for me it was the only way that I kind of actually got anywhere in the end you know there's a lot to be said for Dr. Google yeah as long as you're wise about the information you find and that you know how to verify what's fact and what's true and what isn't so so what eventually led to your diagnosis then well after being told that it was stress I thought this this isn't right I've got to do something I was halfway through my teacher's training. I was due to go back and do my final year and I was supposed to be teaching in a couple of weeks. And I thought I can't just continue like not being able to do anything. So I Googled someone in my area that was a neurologist and specialised in MS and then paid to see them privately and have an MRI scan done. And as we would say here in the U.S., was that like a slam dunk then when they saw the MRI results? Pretty much, because um, I hadn't actually had it done with the dye. It wasn't conclusive, but pretty much within 10 minutes of speaking to him, he was like, yeah, this is pretty typical MS symptoms, which was just such a relief to have someone actually finally take me seriously. 
and be on the same page that I was on. Because you start to doubt yourself when you've got so many people that aren't listening to you and just aren't putting things together. You just worry that no one's ever going to listen to you and you're just going to sort of drift along for years. Well, I find it really interesting that you started out with knowing nothing about MS and then you self-educated yourself and then you found out you actually have this disease. So you kind of guided your own journey in this process, it sounds like. There was a lot of research. (laughs) I did an awful lot. And I think, um, yeah, and it also meant even though when I then received the diagnosis, so he said we need to do a couple more tests just to confirm it. So he sent me for a full MRI with the contrast dye, lumbar puncture, blood test, and I can never remember what it's called, but the ones where they check the signals to your eyes, visual something. (laughs) So, um, yeah, when it came back and it was positive for MS, like, it's still a shock, but at the same time, I felt so relieved. Yeah. So, Heather, for people who are perhaps finding themselves in a similar situation and don't know what's wrong with them and are looking at MS as a possibility, do you have any advice for them? I think the first thing is if you feel like you're not being listened to just to keep going because when you're not feeling the best either, because the thing is when you're trying to get this diagnosis, the chances are is that you are in a relapse or experiencing some symptoms but it's just to keep going, which I know is like a really difficult thing because eventually you will find someone that listens. And I know a lot of people go through a bit of a tricky time actually getting that diagnosis. But I think it's just really, really important to kind of be your own champion (laughs) and kind of fight for that diagnosis if you need to. But at the same time, just to kind of keep in mind that even though MS is a really scary diagnosis and I'm not saying life is easy with it, but I remember at the beginning coming across like loads of really, really scary stories. And I think it's so important to remember that with MS, it is different for everyone. So there's no way of knowing how it will affect you. But also so many people do live normal lives with it. And there you have it, folks. You've been listening to Heather on the MS Diagnosis podcast journey. And um, I think she's got some great things to tell you there, including... Don't assume the worst of anything, but don't assume that your MS might be like her MS. So again, I'd like to thank you, Heather, for joining us today and sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much for having me. 